Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Is that a new coffee cup I see from you? It is. <laughs> Let's see. Shout out to my sister. Oh, can you see it to the virtual background? You hold it in front of yourself. There you go. In front of myself? Yeah, hold it like in front of you. It blocks the... There, there it is. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> Shout out to Naya T. Dude, that coffee cup was made for you, brother. That's sure amazing. Was. Yeah. Hey, um, we have a special guest on this episode of uh, Believe in Seahawks, and uh, it's a surprise. And so I thought we'd bring back our old game, uh, Stop Me When You Know It, okay? Um, I'm also trying to block him right now in my <laughs> virtual background. We noticed you're a little close to the camera. So close to the camera because I have a picture of him up there. But, uh, okay, so here. Our guest today hails from Racine, Wisconsin. Okay? He's 6'7". Drafted into the NBA 10th overall in 2002. Hmm? Where do you go to school? Yet? Player no. of the year at uh, UConn. <laughs> Six, seven. I mean, that could be anybody. <laughs> Two-time All-Star, 14 wait, NBA seasons. Wait, wait, wait stop it, stop it. You said UConn? Yeah. I see a Wizards. Is that what that is? Yeah, that's it. Any guesses? I'm guessing the great Karam Butler. That's right, everybody. Tell him what he's won. Oh, I should lean the other way. Karam yeah, Butler. Over, the other way. <laughs> there he is. What's up, my man? How y'all doing? Oh man, good to, good to see you. Good to have you on the show. Uh, Karan's a, a, a old friend. He's been on the morning show that I do with producer Katie before. He's good friends with producer Katie and myself, and um, here to talk some NBA basketball. And we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for jumping on. It's a pleasure and honor, man. Whenever she rings, you know I'm always <laughs> gotta yeah, make time. When producer Katie calls, it's uh, <laughs> either for baked goods or to be on one of her podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's start the show here, shall we, guys? Do it. All right, let's do it. Hit the theme song, please. Let's get this crowd going. Now, come on, get him up, get him up, get him up. On song three, one, two, three, four. Lofa Tatupu is up in the mix. Go Hawks. I'm just about that action, boss. He takes the snap. He's going to throw down the middle. What a catch. It's intercepted by Lofa Tatupu. Holy catfish. Hey, that's great football now. It's going to work now. Let's keep playing. Who's got my podcast on the believe sports network thanks for tuning in i'm seahawks super fan brett davern joined as always by seahawks all pro lofa tatupu what's up buddy what's happening <laughs> thanks for joining the show everybody you guys can email us anytime seahawkspod at gmail.com if you got questions or comments or anything it's all fair game on the email seahawks pod at gmail.com also follow us on all social media at believe in seahawks believe of course spelled our way lofa b-l-e-a-v that's right at believe in seahawks on any social media um and also uh, our sponsor quickly before we really get rolling here betonline.ag your online wagering experts for all of your online wagering needs whether it's you know 
football's coming up. You got college football coming up. F1 racing, you can lay some money on down over there. Uh, UFC, whatever you got. They also got a 24-7 online casino, which never closes, full of table games and card games and everything. So betonline.ag, use our promo code. Back to the spelling, Lofa. Still believe, believe it or not, <laughs> B-L-E-A-V. Yeah, you get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up at betonline.ag. Well, all right, let's get to our guest, Lofa, and let's get into all things Karan Butler because, uh, you know, we introduced him there in the beginning, but he's joining the show as our special guest. It's been a long time since I caught up with him, and it's been killing me because I haven't been able to say what's up yet because we weren't recording. So, Karan, what's up? Man, you know, fresh off vacation right now. I've been grinding. Uh Obviously, this is my first year on the coaching uh-huh. side of things. So being on the sideline for the Miami Heat, uh, being an assistant coach and just pouring uh, yeah, whatever I feel like a wealth of insight is to our young players has been uh, extremely therapeutic. So I've been loving that whole process. Well, before we get to work, let's talk about vacation. Where were you? I was in uh, a couple of places. I was in St. Thomas and I was in uh, Exuma, Bahamas. Oh, I just want to live vicariously for one second. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds nice. How was it traveling with everything? Have you been doing any traveling, like, you know, as we this pandemic winds down or whatever's going on out there? So this has been our first international trip uh, with family going to uh, another place. And we just had a great time. We were skeptical about the travel. Um, you know, we had the luxury of doing uh, things uh, private this time. Uh, I can't wait to get back to flying commercially. Uh, but uh, I, I try to take the safe route just because we have a, a daughter of ours who's a immune compromised. So I got to be safe. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Now let's talk about work a little bit because <laughs> I got two guys here that obviously, you know, former pros, um, you know, awesome careers, but then turned into coaches, uh, Lofa coach with the Hawks and now Karan, you're with the heat. So, I mean, what's it like making the transition from player to coach for you guys? Uh, I'll let I, you go. Karan. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll start off by just saying like, is, is I think it's easier just because I know as a former player what type of messaging I would want to hear. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you can dumb it down and speed it up uh, accordingly just because of that reason alone. I think that you have a better pulse of, you know, what the players would want and give a specific call to action on what you want them to do. But I think also just from an education standpoint where you're giving them more tools to have in the toolkit – and go out there and perform on the basketball court at a high level. Uh, I, I just think like that's the real, uh, you know, heartfelt moment for me, just because mentoring has always been my thing. And to see guys, you know, take what you teach them in real time and apply it immediately from film session to the basketball court in game at game speed is just like, it's a gift in its own. So that's where I get the greatest pleasure. Well, speaking of mentors, I mean, you just had the picture up there with you with Pat Riley and Lofa, you know, you with Pete Carroll all those years and stuff. But uh, Lofa, what about you going from player to coach? I think the um, the toughest part was, you know, and they always say it once a player, always a player. Right, Karan? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's hard to separate from that. But I think the fact that I, you know, I was probably two or three years removed from playing made it a little easier. I got finished in 12, went coaching at 15, so I had – the little buffer of time away from the game where, you know, when I went back, I didn't see myself quite as a player anymore, you know? 
And um, but just like to, to Gron's point, when you can impart some wisdom on these younger guys and speed up their process of, you know, becoming a better player and watching it in real time when that light bulb goes off and they finally see it through your lens and your perspective, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's like, yes, like that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Were there any moments, though, that happened like in practice where you found yourself thinking, oh, I, I really am a coach now and not a player? Was there ever a moment where you, you found yourself going full coach? Hey, listen, when I first took the job in in November and then all of a sudden I was like rushed through the process to go through COVID protocols. Oh right. I was like, I was like, oh shit, I'm I'm actually here. I'm doing this. Like I'm there's Jimmy. There's Bam. Like I'm actually out here on the court with these guys. And now they're turning uh to me for, you know, some sort of wisdom or guidance through these drills and through these uh, these defensive drills and all these things. So it's just like, oh, it just happened in real time. So it was, you know, I had to really like reset myself. Um, you know what I mean? I came in there with a, a mentality like, all right, I've, I've done training camps a million times before, but the preparation was the biggest adjustment, adjustment for me, just like making sure that our guys was overprepared. And for that fact alone, like I had to be overprepared in order to teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you loaf, you ever get on some of the guys in a, in a more of a coach way? Um, I mean, you know, the younger guys, yes. Yeah. yeah because, you know, the older guys, I, I had it pretty easy. You know, I had Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, two of yeah. the greatest in the game. Yep. And so Ken Norton had already done a phenomenal job of teaching them how to be pros. And so I was just there, you know, as a soundboard, like, hey, what do you think about this? And I'd give them my feedback. But their games were so tailor-made and perfect, perfected by then. It was like, just don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. And um, But I will say to that point, with KJ, though, I mean, he kept asking for more and more. And, you know, I was surprised because he was in year probably six or seven, um, pretty well established. They already won a Super Bowl. Um, he had been an alternate for the Pro Bowl a couple of years, but he kept wanting more information. So I kept, you know, just feeding him piece bit by bit. Mm-hmm. But – I saw him get more aggressive in his play style. And I think that's what ultimately led to him making his first Pro Bowl um, in, in 2016. It, it was, um, I felt like he should have been to a couple more, but um, you know, those, those are the guys that I leaned on. You know, I was like, hey, like they carry the message. You know, this is your team. And a team, as Karan knows, he's been on a championship team. When the team takes it over, that's when it becomes special. And when the players carry the message and, and they, they run it themselves, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Karan, like, uh, Lofa, I know you might go back to coaching. You're kind of, like, waiting for your kids to grow up a little bit more. Karan, like, are you w- 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 keeping going with this? Like, where, where are we going to go? Are you head coach in the NBA soon? W- what's what's next for you in the world that's, of coaching? That, I mean, that's the definitely the plan. Um, yeah. I felt like it was two organizations that get it right when you talk about coaching – in the National Basketball Association and the people that have their disciples spread it out all over the association. And I think right. the San Antonio Spurs are one. And then I think that the other team is the Miami Heat. They just get it right. And they're going to give you a crash course of the basics. You know, when you talk about defensive philosophies, offensive philosophies, when you talk about mentoring at its finest, Uh, your preparation and being prepared. So I was like, all right, cool. Like if one of those opportunities ever happen or ever approach itself, like I have to take a serious look at it 
And when Miami called, I had to take a serious look at it, and it made sense for me at the time. And, you know, ultimately, I do want to be a head coach in this game. So, you know, I'm learning. I'm being a student as well as I'm mentoring a lot of young athletes, and hopefully that time comes soon. Cool, man. Uh, you guys also, I want to mention uh, Karan's book here. I, I have to hold it in front of me to get rid of my virtual background there. But uh, Tough Juice, you guys can grab it wherever you, you grab books. It's a great read, really powerful story and everything. Uh, Tough Juice, My Journey from the Streets to the NBA, Karan Butler's story. I mean, dude, when is the movie coming out about Karan Butler? Because this story, I mean, it, someone's got to make this thing into a movie. Yeah, well, you know, I've done a partnership with Mark Wahlberg. We actually was in the process of pre-production before COVID had hit. We're actually going to scout Racine uh, with our director, which I can't say who it is. Uh, <laughs> went out there August 15th. We'll be out there for three days with Mark Wahlberg as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, we, we got a lot of traction and momentum right now. Okay, coming soon, everybody. Awesome. Yeah. Um, a quick word about Racine, actually, just since you mentioned I know you do a lot of work in the community there. What's been going on lately? Oh, man. Uh, we just did a community garden out there. Uh, we're doing a rebuild of a, a church out there as well. We just put down a new outdoor uh, playground and a place wow. where kids can, you know, stay active and participate in those activities uh, from a fitness standpoint and while practicing social distancing. Uh, we just opened uh, two restaurants. We got a Starbucks and an O&H bakery. We just oh, opened wow. this So, yeah. yeah, we've been extremely busy out there in the community and a lot of things was on hold for right. quite some time due to the pandemic, but to be able to provide opportunities and, you know, uh, work for our community is just, you know, it's, it's a gift in its own. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, the pandemic and stuff, unfortunately, we, let's move on to some headlines from the world of sports and get you guys opinions and reactions here. Uh, the only real NFL news that I could find or, you know, whatever, because, you know, everything's kind of slow right now before training camps officially get underway. But, um, this headline, you know, COVID-19 outbreaks could lead to forfeits in the NFL. They're, what they're talking about is, and, and this comes from Tom Pelissaro of uh, NFL Network. Um, what they're talking about is the NFL has said that if there's an outbreak on a team uh, and, and it, it, the source is from an unvaccinated source and there's an outbreak on a team which forces the team to miss a game, if they can't reschedule it, that team would then have to forfeit that game that they missed. And obviously, you know, it could have some massive implications in terms of like playoff seating or especially as you get later into the season. So just kind of wanted to get your guys' reaction to that story. I, I just don't understand if it's an unvaccinated player or a vaccinated player. Either way, an outbreak happened. Like, so we're just going to penalize the unvaccinated people? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're making it like up to teams in order to police themselves in terms of like, you know, because the Seahawks, let's face it, last year, they, I think that we were one of the only teams that had like nothing really happen or, you know, we didn't have to reschedule games or anything like that. The Seahawks did a really good job with it. And I think the league is just saying, hey, you kind of need to have your your stuff in order. I mean, Karan, you were in the bubble, right, with with the NBA and all the protocols going on over there. Like, what were your thoughts on kind of doing a season in that way? You know what? I, I didn't like it in the midst of, you know, the pandemic and all the social issues that we was facing as a society. I just felt like um, it was extremely tough for guys to really wrap their mind around, you know, one, uh, before vaccines was even available, one, how to go out there and still play in the midst of all of that. Now, fast forward to now where we're at, 
you know, 85% of the league is vaccinated. So that, that's a good thing for us. But, you know, that's a small percentage still out there. So that means per team is probably two or three guys that's not vaccinated. And mm-hmm. to say that you're going to forfeit games because of, you know, um, an unvaccinated individual may get uh, COVID and the possibility of spreading it with contact tracing and things like that. Uh, I think that'll be a tremendous blow, uh, you know, from all things. When you talk about revenue shares and splitting, I think guys are really going to have to look at it from a union perspective and standpoint to say, you know, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And our players union is extremely strong. They identify problems. And this is something that I think that, you know, they're definitely going to have to address on our side of things. Now, from a football standpoint, I will tell you this right now. This is my last year probably being a, a Packers fan with all the Aaron Rodgers stuff going on. So I'm a free agent. I'm looking okay. for a new – yeah, I'm looking for a new squad. So it might be the Seahawks or yeah, the, come on, the man. Come on. something. Like I'm out here. I'm just a free agent. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. All right. I like that. See, Lofa, he's not the only one who's over <laughs> as the Aaron Rodgers turns up there. In, in hey, he reported camp. to camp today. I don't know yeah, saw I saw that. that. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> All right. Yeah, traditional way. <laughs> well, Lofa, I mean, what should the NFL do, though, if uh, a game or, you know, if one team has an outbreak which forces the game to not be played and they can't reschedule it, how should they rule that game? I mean, I don't understand how you can't reschedule it. I mean, they did it all last year. It was a couple right. games. They got rescheduled to a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Right. Not ideal. They still got their full schedule, you know, um, played last year. So, I don't know. It's almost like we're going backwards. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, my thought is that this headline could be one of those things where, like, to your point, they did have – or not, not no problem, but they did get all the games in last year. So it kind of seems like this isn't going to be an issue anyway because they'll be able to reschedule whatever game is missed. So maybe this is just sort of like a headline to get us uh, talk radio people all fired up or well, something. I, I, was, I will say this. Like, when you think of NFL and the NBA, it was probably the two major sports leagues that was actually out there uh, as testers doing like trial runs. So they was like learning from trial and error. So now with other live sports and things coming back, venues are going to be filled. So Mm -hmm. say if a game don't happen, you may have a concert. So other entertainment is open now. So I think it's a little more tricky and harder to reschedule. So now maybe they should just call it a wash or something, you know? Yeah, that well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, how if it can't be rescheduled, just hypothetically, like, should it just go down as a tie or something, or just a no game, and you'd have to just figure it out with the records? I don't know, because it's all about playoff seeding and you know, like win loss records at the end, especially in football, since there's not as many games. So, you know, each game is super important. So, I don't know. We'll have to see how that unfolds as it develops. Um, let's let's get out of the world of football though, because there's a lot going on in the world of basketball, and we got Karan Butler here with us. So. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about it yet, Lofa, but the Bucks win the NBA Finals. They defeat the Suns in six. Um, Karan, you're from Wisconsin. Like, go ahead, brag, gloat, have fun, jump up and down, whatever you want to do. The Bucks won the championship, man. You know what? They they did, and I'm, I'm happy for the organization. I'm happy for my home state, and I'm also happy for, you know, my young guys. Giannis was my rookie. And to see his development and his progression as he matured over the years, you know, through trial and error, through defeat, and he still kept that hunger inside his belly to, you know, overcome all obstacles. And one of the obstacles was 
you know, us, you know, our organization was in this way. Uh, we beat them last year. We went to the finals and this, this season, you know, they swept us in the first round and I was just like, wow, this, these are the champs immediately because we threw everything at them. And when I tell you everything from blitzes to all different types of coverages, the zone play, I even started the 10 count in the, in the playoffs where I was the first person to recognize that and got them the violation. And then throughout the oh, playoff wow. series, you wait, see what? You blew so on him. You, you, you ratted him out. What's going to. on here? I thought once a player, always a player. What's going on? By, by any means, when it comes to the playoffs, oh, everybody like fair game. It's a championship. A, We're going for a championship. Yeah, what absolutely. A move this is wow. But I was happy for them. You know, they they deserved it. They was the best team this year, and you know, you tip your hat off too. Yeah, you know, I have to say real quick because growing up a Sonics fan, we would run up against the Jazz in the playoffs all the time. And the all of Key Arena would start the 10 count for the mailman every time he was on the line. And But it never got called ever. So the fact that you actually got it to get called, I mean, you know, hats off. Yeah, man. Tony Brothers, man. Great job. <laughs> uh, Lofa, what about you for the Bucks in the championship? Because, I mean – were you on the bandwagon? Were you off the bandwagon? It was hard to tell with how many different jerseys we were getting here. Well, on the-, the Celtics are my team. You know that. Sorry, Karan. You know. But anyway, <laughs> I grew up in Massachusetts, so I rooted for you while you were UConn, man. Yep, respect. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 it was a great series. Yeah. Um, you know, the Suns got out to a great start. But I was really impressed with Giannis. Um, you know, and Middleton, of course. But be honest, for what looked like a devastating knee injury, um, for him to come back, not miss a game, and lead them, and especially the way he did it the last or game six to put up uh, 50, you know, um, it was just the you know icing on the cake or the exclamation point. It was incredible um, that he was even able to play, never mind play that well. Well, how surprised were you guys, though, just by the outcome in general after the Suns go up 2-0? I mean, you know, I mean, maybe surprise isn't the right word, Karan, because, you know, you know these guys and their talent and everything. But just, I mean, what a series that was. Yeah. What, what happened to the Suns? I, I think a lot of people was um, expecting the Bucks to respond because they played so well at home. And yeah. as we all know, like in competition, especially in playoff series, a series don't really start until you lose a game at home. You know the old saying? So it's like yeah. the Bucks are so great there. And let's face it, they went down 0-2 versus a hell of a Brooklyn Nets team, you know, with Kevin Durant, the, one of the best players in the in, in the world, yeah. not the best. So um, I just always felt confident that we was going to get at least seven games out that series and possibly could have. But Giannis was just so dominant. They couldn't do anything with him in the paint. And I just think that it, it goes it, – it's a testament to his growth. Uh, he's had growing pains. He's been through some things. And the Suns are still young. Um they caught everybody by surprise this year with the leadership of CP3, Monty Williams, and Willie Green and those guys and that coaching staff. But, uh, you know, I felt like down the stretch, you know, uh, they just swallowed Chris Paul up, you know, in the pick and roll cover just because of their length. They did an excellent job of blitzing and keeping activity. And when you try to hide the smaller guards on the defensive end of the floor, you know, P.J. Tucker and uh, Covington, those guys was really beating them up on the glass and they dominated in the paint. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Milwaukee on the on the finals win and all of that good stuff. Before we move on to Olympic basketball, just staying in the NBA for one second. Selfishly, Karan, the city of Seattle needs a basketball team back right in the NBA. Bring back our Sonics. Wouldn't you agree? 
Absolutely. Uh, Jamal Crawford, Gary Payton, those guys would love it. Uh, every time I bump into them, anytime, it is like Seattle needs a team back. And we saw the the fan base, uh, what it was like, you know, watching Seattle Storm and with the WNBA. And also I had the privilege and, and honor of playing uh, against Seattle teams with Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis and those guys. And the environment of basketball and their fan base was just amazing. It yeah. really was. So I, I hope that they get a team back sometime soon. All right. Good. I'm glad. Just want to get them on the record. Uh, all right. Moving on to Team USA uh, over in the Olympics on the men's side of uh, Team USA for the basketball. They lost to France over the weekend, and um, it broke a 25-game winning streak for Team USA in the Olympics. And um, they got two more games in pool play. They have to win both of those, and I think they need to win them convincingly because there's, like, point margins and all kinds of stuff in order to move on to the medal round. But were you guys surprised to see that? And, I mean – you know, the they've tripped up in the Olympics before, you know, going back a few years ago, and nobody wants that to happen again. What, what's going on with Team USA? I, you know what? I, I had the, the, the honor of going out to Vegas and, you know, seeing the guys practice. Uh, our head coach, Eric Spostra, was coaching the, the Olympic team as well, and uh, he was – coaching the junior team, some of the college guys as well, and Tyler Hero and some individuals are playing on that team. And they beat them the first time during a, a scrimmage, and I was shocked by the amount of talent that the senior team had. And then fast forward to watching Nigeria, where we have three guys on that team, Casey Akpala, Precious Achua, and Gabe Vincent. They did an excellent job of just prep preparing, their preparation, like continuity and all those things. So to answer your question, I think like – from a skill standpoint, the rest of the world is caught up, you yeah. know, from a skill standpoint. Now, do we have more star power and more greater individuals? I still feel like we're, uh, uh, you know, so far ahead. But I think that other guys are just having this, uh, this other countries are having this fire in their belly to yeah. go out there with the skill set and really leave it all out there versus us. And until, you know, Kevin Durant and those guys really, you know, dial in from that perspective, uh, we're going to, you know, probably take some more L's because yep. those guys are playing with a lot of fire right now. And let's face it, the, probably the two best players in all of basketball are from the international, uh, our international players. Giannis on a Duke, uh, on a uh, Greek freak. I can't even say his last name. <laughs> on a Kupo. I'm not even sure. And Luka Doncic. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. sure. That's what I was going to say. Lopa, is this more about the rest of the world being, you know, just in basketball being so global now, you know, Karan, I, I'm sure you've traveled internationally helping to promote the game and things they're doing, you know, a lot of promotion, especially in Asia and, and all over the world. So is this more about the rest of the world catching up less than it is about Team USA stumbling or, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the medal round. Come on, man. No, I agree with Karan and um, that, you know, everybody's going back to their country and, and playing with a sense of pride, you know, and it's not that we're not, but when you think about it, I mean, Durant's probably used to shooting the ball about 40 times. And is he getting that many touches? I don't think so because you got to spread the ball. So um, a number of factors, but yeah, I, I believe, you know, the, uh, the talent pool is, is getting, you know, uh, catching up to um, what, what we have over here. And um, you know, th that's uh, what we're seeing. Are there guys who aren't there who should be there? And if they go out before the medal round, isn't that what a lot of people will be asking? Where's 
it rhymes with LeBron? Well, I, I mean, from since 2000, LeBron's been an active participant. So 2004, 2008, he's played, what do you have, three gold medals now or two? Uh, this is the time for, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, Dame Lillard. Uh, one of the guys that you probably will want on the roster that's not there is Anthony Davis. But I think for the most part, everyone else, like the big names, the heavy hitters, I mean, look at Booker and Middleton, mm-hmm. uh, Holiday. They just came fresh out of finals. They, I think they even missed, missed the parade and the celebration yeah. to hurry up and get out there. So you have enough talent. I just think it's now just about continuity and coming together and just – like really like less is more like you're not going to get the volume shots or touches, but you know, some guys are going to have to do less, but do yeah. more on the defensive end of the floor rebound and have that urgency. And if you don't buy into that, we will have a silver or bronze medal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lofo, what do you think as a fan? Oh, I just had a question, you know, so coming from like college Kron, to the NBA, because, you know, it's like you leave high school, the man, okay, now you get to campus and everybody's the man in high school, right? And so on and so forth. So, you know, especially like the, the younger guys, what when they come to like the heat now and, you know, they've got established vets and everything, how do they or how do you help them to find their role on the team? Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's player driven. And I think that, you know, like you said, everyone – feel like they're the man everybody got a scrapbook right but when you get there i think that your active participation and whatever we're doing and all of a sudden now all of that gets sorted out so we understand that you know some of your strengths but we also identify your weaknesses and we have a good base here already you know so we have our franchise guys we have that base so now we're looking for quality pieces to amplify what we do to get us over the hump and even with the way this team, the USA team was, you know, meshed together. You see some of the strengths, you know, who your scores are, you know, certain guys have to be defensive guys. If you look at a guy like Jason Tatum, you know, with the stoppage of the ball and not swinging it and things like that, not a knock to his game, just in this international setting, mm-hmm. you can't play like that. Ball That's stoppage right. isn't a good thing. Pitch aheads is very important. Rebounding is important. Screening pace all those things is important and you can't play the same way that you played, you know, in the NBA. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Karan. Like what's your experience with these international tournaments? Have you played on team USA or had experience with USA basketball? Yeah, I played the junior Olympics. We won gold. And it was different because when I came fresh out of Connecticut, it was like, I was the man, I was the guy. You throw the ball in me. I just pound it inside, do my thing. But now it's like, okay, I can't do that. The pace of the game is different. I have to find a way to be effective in a different way. I have a big body, a mobile. I got to rebound. I got to do other things. I got to get on the floor. I got to be intimidating on the defensive end of the floor, use my length and my sides uh, to, you know, plug holes and gaps. And uh, I think that guys are really looking at film right now and trying to make the proper adjustments. But, you know, we're all creature of habits. You know, we're not police by the coaching staff or even ourselves, you know, we go back to what we feel comfortable and what we do best. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see over the next couple of days, what happened. Well, on a schedule or not on a schedule on a scale of zero to panic, where should uh, we be in terms of being, you know, fans of our, our team USA here? Should we be freaking out? Are you freaking out? Are you, they're going to win it all, right? Come on. Tell me they're going to win it all. I hope. 
I mean, that's what we hope. Fingers crossed. But I'm at like a three or four right oh, now, okay. just because when you think about I'm with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm at like a three or four because, you know, when you think about the dream team and those guys and what they assembled, and then you think about the rest of the world, like just from a skill set standpoint, yeah. they was not even close. Yeah, that's but true. now from a skill set standpoint, they're right there up to par. And then you got guys like Luca out there dominating and doing his thing. It's like anything can happen. Yeah, totally. Well, <laughs> I'm freaking out. Uh, let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> Uh, to our zone in segment we do the zone in segment because lofa's company is zone in cbd for all of your cbd cbd needs go to zone in cbd.com use our promo code leave b-l-e-a-v for 20 percent off of your purchase pretty much for anything you need just use believe it might work uh but if you're on zone in cbd.com use it for 20 percent percent off of your whole first purchase if you want to pick up zone in cbd in person you can do that at all bartel drugstores up there in the pnw uh guys i want to zone in on the world's strongest man brian shaw he's the four-time world's strongest man he's six eight somewhere around 400 pounds i couldn't even find uh the exact weight in any article it changes all the time but it's around 400 pounds he deadlifted 4,000 pounds. He deadlifted a Camaro with three people in it. And just to show off, he did it 10 times. So my man not only deadlifted it, but then did reps. I'm going to need to see a video. There's the picture right there. I mean, the guy is yoked. Like, I don't even know really what to ask. One, how impressed are you? And two, how much have you ever deadlifted? <laughs> Was it a Camaro? Nothing close to a Camaro. Probably a, a car tire, but not a whole car. Jeez. Yeah. And he got people in it. Look at that. He got oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Taking people for a ride. Lofa? What's that? I don't know. How impressed are you? And, and what's your deadlift max, you think? Nah, I mean, the guy's 400 pounds. <laughs> you know, I mean. Oh, but that's impressive, man. That's, that's Hold impressive. up the coffee cup. Hold up the coffee cup. Just put it right in front of your face. Meh. <laughs> um no that is impressive i mean i didn't expect him to be shredded at 400 pounds i thought he was going to be you know a a strong man which is usually stocky and wide yeah i mean you did say six eight so that's a big dude but um four thousand pounds are we sure about this uh, this is what it said in the article that I read. I don't know. I don't, is that over the 10 reps? It looked was... like a convertible Camaro. So the convertible goes about 500 pounds lighter than the non-convertible. convertible. So you know what I mean? Like uh, no, that's, that's impressive. He's definitely on zone in CBD. I mean, it's, it's a rag top. You know what I mean? If it was a hard top convertible, now I'd be impressed. But the rag top cuts down on the overall weight. So, you know. That's a nice level. No big deal. No, um, Lofa, come on. Max deadlift ever, all time. What do you think? We didn't really deadlift in, in college. We did a lot of cleans. But you guys weren't trying to throw something up on the board at USC. Come on, don't lie to me. No, deadlift wasn't a big uh it wasn't a big lift for us. Mm-hmm. Power clean, hang clean. Um, but I mean, if I had to guess, I could probably do six hundred, maybe a little more. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's uh Ryan Shaw, by the way, has uh deadlifted over a thousand pounds multiple times in competition. So like the actual barbell, not just a Camaro. Um he did this one on somebody's challenge video because they said they'd let him keep the Camaro and donate money or I don't know, something. But 
pretty cool story. And uh, I don't know. Guess he drinks milk, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's zoned in, Karan. Zoned in. Uh, Zoneincbd.com. Um, <laughs> anybody else got anything else to add before I wrap this thing up today? That was next level. I, I, I don't even want to throw a number out there after seeing that 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't get your uh, official max, Karan. I don't even have one. Okay. I don't have one. <laughs> that, that, use your imagination. I, I can't even mess with that one. <laughs> I got you. Um, all right. Well, then let's wrap this thing up, everybody. Thanks for listening um, on the Believe Sports Network or over here on Brinks.tv, everybody. Um, if you have emails, you can send those to seahawkspod at gmail.com, seahawkspod at gmail.com. Also, follow us on any social media at Believe in Seahawks. You guys can follow Karan Butler on all social media. He's got the blue check mark. Just search Karan Butler. You'll find him. Lofa's over there, too. Karan's book, Tough Juice. Find it wherever you find books. Check it out. Movie coming soon. Mark Wahlberg's involved. My God. Megastar, future head coach in the NBA, Karan Butler. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate y'all, brothers. Thank Love you, pal. Thanks, Karan. Great Love to meet you, brother. You. Um, on every episode, Karan, we always break it down to something just like after football practice or at, at basketball practice. I'm sure you guys do it, too. What do we want to break it down to on this episode, Lofa? We got once a player, always a player. I mean, the book, Tough Juice. Tough Juice. I think Tough Juice, right? Karan, put your hand in. Will you lead us through it? I'm in it. I'm in it. <laughs> Somebody break it down. Lofa, get do it. Right, get it. All right, fine. I'll do it. Jeez, you always make me do it. Whatever. I'm the captain, I guess. That makes me the captain. I'm the captain now. Hands in the middle. Tough juice on three. Ch- tough juice on me. One, two, three. Tough juice. Tough juice. thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube